that song in the beginning said the atmosphere is changing now for the spirit of the Lord is here the Bible says that where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty there is freedom in the name of Jesus amen amen glory to God Whew, God is awesome amen Well, I think that's a good start. What you think? Glory to God. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And our core kids are dismissed at this point. Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. When you got it, say so. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your great, great grace. And Lord, we just pray that as your spirit is here now, God, as your presence is here now, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. We pray, Lord God, that as we move into this new year, Lord, that your presence and power would move with us. And we pray that your word would empower us to live for your glory and for your honor. And we pray these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so today is the first Sunday of the new year, and we are starting in a new series. We are going to begin a series, and it is entitled Living Faith. If you do not have an outline, raise your hand and just hold it up. If you don't have an outline, just hold your hand up. We want to make sure everybody gets an outline. Um, very important that you have an outline. You can follow along with me in the introduction of the message in the beginning. Um, you can also take notes. I think that it's important. I know that I have a very, I think I have a decent memory. Uh, my wife tells me I have a very good memory. I think I do um, when I'm paying attention. Um, and although I have a good memory, I don't remember everything, right? I don't remember everything I hear. So a lot of times it is important for us to write down stuff. And so you can take notes um, throughout the preaching of the Word of God. And not only that, but you can also, um, you know, I, I've said, I say this all the time. And, and as we're starting this new year, the, the title of this series is Living Faith. Living Faith. And it's about us living our faith out. And so, thank you very much. And so, as we attempt to live out our faith, I want you to think about something that I often say. And it is, are you helping someone grow in their faith? Are you helping someone become a disciple of Jesus? Are you not just leading someone to Jesus in the sense of bringing someone from, from a, no relationship with God to a relationship with God, but are you helping someone grow in their relationship with God? Because I say this, and, I'm, and I mean this, if you're not helping someone grow in their faith, you're not growing in your faith.
That's the, that, that's the bottom line. If you are not helping someone grow in their faith, you are not growing in your faith. And, and, and the reality is that when, when we are engaged in the process that God calls us to, which is to make disciples, that is how we're going to help people grow in their faith. And so I challenge you, as today is the first day of the new year, that you will live your faith and that you will obey the scriptures, that you will do what the word of God says, and that you will accomplish whatever God wants you to do, especially in helping someone else grow in their faith. And so we are starting this new series entitled Living Faith. We are going to walk through the book of Hebrews for the next few weeks, um, not through the book of Hebrews, through chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. There's a lot of stuff there because what we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to walk through who these people are in the book of Hebrews. We're going to be able to look at their lives. And so there's a video that I want you to see before I get started here. And, 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 and this is to kind of help you to understand where we're going with this series um, in, in the book of Hebrews. And so check out the video and then we'll get back and, finish, and, and continue on. Not finish because we're not done yet. Got a little way to go. Got a little way to go. Not the, not the men's one. The Heroes of Faith? No? Igniter Media? No? No? All right, it's all good. We have no video. It's okay. I'm going to do a video for you right now, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Next week, you will see the video intro to the message, all right? Uh, so and I, I sent it to Lou a little bit early, earlier this week, so he's, he couldn't find that email. So it's all good. Um, but nonetheless, we are dealing with this, and, and, and what we want to do is the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, is known as the Hall of Faith. You know, you've heard of the Hall of Fame, right? The people who do things that are great and they're in this Hall of Fame and they're remembered. But these are people who are, who are, who are called, um, and, and, and this is just, you know, different places where you see it written down. This is the Hall of Faith because this is the remembrance of certain people and what they did. But it starts out with the definition of faith. And so as we enter in, if you look at your outline here, as we enter into this new year and consider what resolutions we will make, how many of you think about those resolutions? Right? Thinking about, you know, what resolutions I'm going to make this year. What, what am I going to do differently? You know, it's funny because at the, end of the, at, at the end of the year this year, I went through a leadership training, and it was um, 21 questions to look at your year. And the first question that they asked in the 21 questions for the leaders is, are you closer to the Lord today than you were at the beginning of the year? And the follow-up question is, what are you going to do to ensure next year, at the end of the year, when you answer this question again, that you are closer to the Lord than when you started? And so we're in day one of 2017, and so you know where you are today with the Lord. And my question is, are you going to strive? Is that going to be a New Year's resolution for you, that you are going to strive to be closer to the Lord, that you are going to pursue God with greater passion, with greater intensity, with greater devotion, with greater discipline? Is that something that's going to happen? Because you're never going to get closer to God if you're not, de if you're not dedicatedly spending time with him. Hello, somebody. Very important for us to have that in, in our minds. But, but let, 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 me, let me ask you to consider this. Consider being a people whose faith is significant wherever we find ourselves. Can you make that a resolution? To be a person that wherever you are, that your faith is significant. That's the title of the message this morning, Significant Faith significant faith, that we would have significant faith. That is what, um, what I believe we are called to be, is a people of significant faith. Why do I say that? There was an article 
that was sent to me. I get a lot of different emails. You know how it is. You sign up for one thing in one place, and then they send you a thousand emails from a bunch of other places. And so half the time, I don't read them. I delete them, uh, or they'll sit there in my mailbox because I'm like, I like a heading, and I'm like, I'm going to read that later. Anybody else do that? And you never get there 110 emails later. Right? Like, I was going to read that. So anyway, I decided I was going to read this particular article, and when I clicked on it, the link was blank because it had been so long that I didn't click on it. And so the only thing I got was what was in the email that was sent to me. And the title of the article was, listen to this, Why Most People Leave Religion, They Just Stop Believing. Why Most People Leave Religion, They Just Stop Believing. And here's the part that I was able to read. It's bad news for organized religion. A majority of the religiously unaffiliated, the so-called nuns, N-O-N-E-S, say they fell away from faith, not because of any negative experience, but because they stopped believing, usually before the age of 30. How many, are, how many of you in here are younger than 30? Raise your hand if you're younger than 30. Don't lie. Don't be lying. Don't be lying. Don't be lying. You're in the house of the Lord. Don't be lying. All right. Raise those hands up if you're under the age of 30. Come on. If you're under the age of 30, for real, seriously, under the age of 30. All right, I want you to understand something. For those of you that have your hands raised, I want you to realize this. You are, hear me when I say this, a prime target of the enemy. He wants to make you deplete of faith. He wants to get you out of the faith, and he is going to hit you hard. I'm not saying after 30 like you're off the target. What I'm saying is, you know, someone told me something. I didn't really like this, you know, this, this, but I, I accepted it. I don't say this to anyone else, so I'm not saying this is a fact. But somebody said to me when I was going to turn 30 years old, they're like, man, you're going to start thinking. That when we turn 30, we start thinking. I was like, man, what have I been doing for the last 29 years? I thought I was thinking, right? Get that? No pun intended. I thought I was thinking, right? But the truth is, what I can say, right, and anybody who is, you know, mature enough will say this, that from the time that you are 20 to the time that you are 30, you start to think differently. And I can say this because now I've arrived to 40, and so I know that from the time I was 30 to the time that I'm 40, I think differently. Not saying that I think, but I do think that I think differently, right? I, I think different ways. I view things differently. I, 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 I analyze stuff differently. Like, you know, when you're, when you're 20 years old, you're, you're invincible. Hello. Right? Like, you can do anything and nothing is going to hurt you, right? Now, when you're 40, you start to think, I don't know about that. Do I need to do that? Like, do I have to do it that way? Is there a smarter way to do something, right? Because you know what? Because you know you're not invincible because you have some aches and pains that prove to you every day you are not invincible. Hello, somebody. Right? And so ultimately, the, the, you know, the, 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 the truth is that, you know, we think differently, right? But you know, when, when, we, when I say that you are a, a main target, is the enemy wants to knock you off. He wants to get you out of the way. He wants to make you not walk with Jesus because of what? Because he wants to hinder the next generation. He wants you to be parents that don't talk about Jesus. He wants you to be parents who don't pray with your kids. He wants you to be parents that, or he wants you to be co-workers that don't really, that don't witness and don't talk about Jesus. That's what he wants you to be. And so that's why I say that you are that target because guess what? You want to know what and I, I, we're going to rewind just a little bit 2016 right we were in the election season I said something I said you know we have the worst people available to vote for remember when I said that I still believe that but here's the thing this is what I want you to know I haven't changed my opinion in any way shape or form here's what I want you to know you want to know why that was that way because the church stopped making disciples did you hear me 
the church because the first question I ask you every Sunday doesn't matter to people. And I don't know if it matters to you, but if it doesn't matter to you, you should be offended. And I pray that it's not offense that makes you want to leave, but that it's offense that makes you want to repent. Because here is the reality. When I ask you the question, who are you helping grow in your faith? I'm not just thinking about you growing in your faith. I'm thinking about the influence in our culture. Making disciples when Jesus told his disciples, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. He was giving them a mandate and telling them, this is the way that you change and influence the world around you. But you cannot do that from the four walls of a church. You can't do that with great worship songs. You can't do that with just a good time of preaching or whatever the case is. It is about you living your faith. That you, It's about you making disciples. See, the reality is that we stop doing that. And so what happens? Our culture continues to deplete spiritually. It continues to deplete morally because you know what? While we're not making disciples, the enemy is, real, is, is very busy trying to steal disciples, trying to hinder the faith of people. And so this is a very important series, I think, for us to look at when we're considering living faith and having significant faith. The second thing that you have in your, in your outline, the second paragraph, over the next few weeks, we will look at what is commonly called, I said this earlier, the hall of faith as a reminder of our role in living our faith and how that can truly and literally, listen now, impact and shape the future. Every person that we're going to read about Every person's life was pointing to Jesus. Every person's life was, was, was part of that big plan. I said this a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about the Bible. The Bible does not talk about all of history. It talks about the most important parts of history. You hear what I'm saying? The Bible is not, is not, is not a full-fledged history book on everything that has ever happened under the sun. It's not supposed to be. It is a, it is a book that is showing us the redemption story of God. What God did, how man messed it up, and what God is doing to make it right. That's what it is. It's a story of that. And all of these people were part of that redemption story. All of these people had a significant role in that because of their faith. And so our faith can shape the future. Our faith can shape the future, not only of our lives, but of the lives of others, if we'll, be con if we'll be consistent in it. Third paragraph here, God calls us, his people, his church, his body to live faith. Did you hear me? He calls us. Listen, he didn't call your neighbor, he called you. Oh, no, Bishop, you said us, no, but I want you to hear you. I, I know it's us, but it's so easy for us to hear us and forget that us is me. Are you hearing me? It's so easy for us to hear, well, it's us. Yes, we are the church. Yes, we are the church. But you are the church as well. You as an individual have a responsibility because it's easy for us to think some other us is going to do us his job. Hello. That's the reality. We think there's some other us in the room. No, it's only us in the room. Hello. It is us, it is we, it is us, the people of God, the body of Christ. We have been called to be the ones who are living our faith. We have been called to be the ones that are out there being the light that shines in the midst of this dark world. To a living faith, look at this, to a living faith demonstrated in tangible ways throughout our culture. Now, I, I want you to understand something. There's something that is in my heart hugely. Um, the reason why I asked the worship team, and, 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 and I, I was blessed. I mean, I felt the presence of the Lord as we did that last song. And I asked, I asked them to do that song this morning is because I really, I, I, there, there is an aching in my heart and in my soul to see the glory of God fill this earth in a real and tangible way. 
And, 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 and I want you to understand that I, I'm not talking about something weird. I am never, ever looking for a weird thing with God. And, and, and when I say a new thing, I'm not talking about something new like something we ain't ever seen. I'm talking about something that we've never seen in our days, but we see throughout the scriptures. I, I, I agree with the psalmist who said to God when he prayed, Lord, revive your works of old, right? That, that, that's what I mean. And so when I'm, when I'm here and I'm looking at this whole thing of faith, what I am seeing is that, man, I want us to be a people who really are seeking after God in a way that shows that we have faith in him. That we are seeking after God in a way that is really going to bring impact to our culture. And here's what I want you to get. Just look at the, some of the things that I wrote down because none of these things are bad. But understand this. We can no longer settle for the status quo Christianity of our days. Listen to me. This is not just about hype. This is not just about trying to get you stirred up. It's the first Sunday of the year. That's not what this is about. I want you to understand that we have settled for status quo Christianity for too long. <clears throat> what do I mean by this? God is greater than our ability to serve the hurting in practical ways. Did you hear me? I don't think you understand what, what, what I'm trying to say. I want you to know that serving people in a practical way is super important. But I want you to know that God is greater than the, than the bread you give to someone who's hungry. God is greater than the, the handout or the hand up or whatever you want to call it that you give. You know what the church has done? We have reduced ourselves to just some kind of social gospel group that the only thing we can do to impact people's lives is just feed them. That's what, that's what we can do. And, and I don't mean just feed them. What you, you understand what I'm talking about. Meet some kind of practical need in their life, and that's all the church is able to do. Hold on a second. What happened to the people that were like, I mean, when I'm looking at, when I'm looking at Jesus, I'm seeing that he, I already told you all this a couple weeks ago, he is, he is over here rebuking the people because they were coming after him for food. Are you here? Because they wanted the food of this earth. They didn't want the food of heaven. He, he was rebuking. He was like, these people don't come to me because they want the word of God. They came to me because I fed them yesterday. That was a problem there. You know, when I look at Jesus, he is bringing healing to people's lives. Y'all believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? I mean, that's what the book of Hebrews says, right? Chapter 13, I think it is. And so it communicates that, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So that means that when he's communicating to us, that we have to do more than just meet a practical need. Yes, meet the practical need. But can you, can you inject something supernatural into that thing there? Can, 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 can we do something greater than just that? I mean, because I just believe that God wants to do more. I just believe he's able. I don't, but I don't think we believe him. I, I don't think that we believe. I, 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 I'll be honest. I, I, I think that in the, the church of America, if, I, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think that we have become so overly filled with preaching and teaching and great programs that we have become wonderful at, like, attracting crowds. And typically those crowds came from other churches. I'm just saying I'm just, I'm being serious because if you look statistically, this is statistically now, okay? If you look statistically, the church isn't growing in America. It's not growing. There, 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 there's a problem. There, there, there's shifting taking place, you know, because you get tired of that church, so you go to that church. You drove by like 15 to get here depending on which way you came. Hello. I'm just saying, like, you have plenty of choices. And, you know, Trey over here drove, he drove by 95 because he drove like an hour and a half. So he drove by a, at least 100 churches coming, coming here today. 
But the reality is that we have, we have, we have become so over, and, 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 it's, and, and it's almost like we've we become over-sensationalized or something. Where we, you know what? Where we are just happy. Look, we're just, we're just comfortable coming to church. We'll sing a few songs. We'll clap our hands, maybe. We might sing. We might not, depending on how we're feeling that day, whatever the case is. We might give. We might not give. We might act like we're giving on push pay or something like that. Really not giving. Just I, I give on push pay because I'm very spiritual. I give at all times. I just walk around giving. I just feel the Lord. And, and there's nothing wrong with push pay. I'm messing with y'all. But here's the thing. We, 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 we become so just over. I mean, we're, 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 not, we're not moved. We're not moved. And I was watching the church. You know, you know, obviously New Year's Eve was yesterday. And this is going to sound really, really terrible. But I'm going to say it anyway. And I, I, I watched I watch this church you know, in their, in, their Chris, in their New Year's Eve service or whatever the case was. Only like 10 seconds of it or whatever. I couldn't watch anymore. I could have watched more. It wasn't bad or anything like that. But I watched everything that was going on. And I saw the lights flashing. And I don't have an issue with lights. We have lights up here, right? I saw lights flashing. I saw all this stuff that was going on. And I said to myself, I said, what are we, what, what are we doing to the church? We're presenting the church with concerts like that's God. Like that, that's the Lord. That's God there. That, that, well, the Lord is there because those lights are flashing, so God's got to be there. Hello. I had, some, I had someone tell me something I thought was pretty, pretty funny. He said he was in a service one day. He said he, was, he was had his eyes closed, and he said, and the room started to fill with smoke. And he said as the room was filling with smoke, he said he's in the middle of worship, and he's like, man, but that's the wrong smoke. See, the Bible talks about a smoke. It talks about a glory cloud that came down that filled the temple. And, and you know what happened when that happened? People weren't clapping. People were falling down on their face or they were removing themselves from that place because it was holy, because God was there. And so do I have a problem with lights? I don't have a problem with lights. I have a problem with flashing. I don't have an issue with any of that stuff. But if that is what is drawing you to, 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 to church, there's a problem. There's an issue. And so what we have done, and this is what I mean, is that we have depended upon our arm to do the work of the Lord. We've depended on our ability to impact culture, and we wonder why the culture is not being impacted. It's because we are not walking with that great expectation that I read about in the beginning of the service for those of you that were here. That great expectation of this great God that we serve, of this holy God that we serve, of this God that has not changed, of this God that we're going to look at what, what, what the scriptures declare about him. That is him. And you know what he wants? He wants a church that believes that he is the same yesterday, that he is the same today, that he is the same forevermore, and that his word still remains true. That's what he is looking for in us. So he can move through us, so we can be those people who are living faith. And so here's the thing. The, the, the big idea that I have for you today is the significance of our faith is demonstrating our willingness to trust, to truly trust God. I'll say it again. The big idea, what I want you to understand, is the significance of our faith is demonstrated in our willingness to truly trust God. We're talking about significant faith. And that faith is found in our ability, our willingness to trust God with all of our hearts. So look at the first thing. Say this with me. To have significant faith, it must be formed in substance, not circumstance. To have significant faith, it must be formed in substance, not circumstance. And I want to say this. Circumstances may bring you to the place of faith, but your circumstances cannot be what forms your faith. 
Circumstances, listen, there's plenty of people that have come to God because their marriage is falling apart. There's plenty of people that have come to God because they were sick. There's plenty of people that have come to God because of circumstances in their life. But their circumstance cannot be the thing that forms their faith. It may bring them to the place of faith, but there's got to be a substance that maintains that. Because here's the thing, your marriage can get better. That doesn't mean that your faith is growing. Or your marriage cannot get better. Hello, somebody. I'm just saying, like, like some people, I mean, just the realistic, you know, the truth is not every marriage gets healed. Not every sickness gets healed. This is just, now listen, I have faith and I believe that if you will apply the principles of Scripture, the only, listen, the, the, the only thing that I, that I know is this, is that what God says in his word he means and what he says is true. That's what I know. And so if I take God at his word and I say, God, I'm believing your word and I'm going to stand upon it, that's all I can do. I can't do anything else. I can't make God move. That's the bottom line here. But here's the thing that I know is that what happens is we have to be a people that say, wait a second, what is forming my faith? Is it my circumstance? Because my circumstances cannot get better and then that's going to mean what? I have a terrible faith. Have a weak faith that these people that they walk away, they just stop believing. That's what it said here. Because circumstances were probably forming their faith. And so what does it say in verse 1? Look what it says. It says, now faith is the substance, say substance, of things hoped for, the evidence, say the evidence, of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So what he does here, just to give you a little backstory of what's going on in the book of Hebrews, for 10 chapters, the writer of Hebrews, we do not know who the writer of Hebrews is. Some people say it was the apostle Paul. There's no proof of that, no verification. Some people think it might have been Apollos. It could have been him. Some people say it was, you know, somebody else. They don't know. There's no sure assurance of who wrote this book. But whoever it was, there's something that is for sure. Number one, he he was writing to Hebrew believers. And what that means is that he was writing to those who were entrenched in a works-based system of faith, right? So it wasn't that their faith saved them. It was that their works saved them. Are you here? So for 10 chapters, what did he do? For 10 chapters, he went and he tried to help them to understand that there is great significance to having faith in Christ. Because Jesus is the one who saves you. Your sacrifices don't save you. Your perfection doesn't save you. He goes through all of this for all of these chapters. And that way they can understand that they, the thing that they were struggling. Listen, these were believers he was writing to. He was writing to Hebrew believers who were struggling to grasp grace. And so he's pointing out to them who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And what I want you to get is this, is that our faith in Jesus must be growing faith or it's dying faith. Did you hear that? Our faith in Jesus must be growing faith or it's dying faith. See, circumstances cannot be the thing that forms our faith. It has to be our relationship with Christ. And so what did he say? He said faith. Say the word faith. The word for faith in the Greek is the word pistis. And, it, and what it means is this. It means complete trust. It means to believe to the extent to have complete trust and total reliance. Did you hear that? Complete trust, total reliance, faith. That is to have complete trust and total reliance. I like what this definition is. Look at this. Faith apprehends as real what is not revealed to the senses. Faith apprehends as real what is not revealed to the senses. So though you may not feel it on your body, you may not hear it in your ears, you may not sense it somewhere, you know what? It's, it apprehends it as real. It, it rests on that fact, acts upon it, and is upheld by it in the face of all that seems to contradict it. Faith is real seeing. Are you hearing me? This is what he's saying. He's talking about this faith. 
This thing that you don't see, that you, you don't see it, but it is something that is inside of you that you just know. The second thing he says, he says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word substance is the Greek is, is another Greek word, and this and, and this Greek word is hypostasis. And what it means is this: it means it means a setting or placing under a substructure or a foundation. A setting, a, a setting, a substructure or a foundation. He's saying, listen, he said faith is the, is the substance, the substructure, the foundation of things that are hoped for. Where, where do you get this hope from? It is a substance. It's called faith. It's something that God does in me. It's the, it's the greatest assurance. It's not based upon something that is tangible, but it's something that's tangible. Are you here? It, it, it's not something that, that, that you can fully explain it, but it's something that you know. It's something that keeps you going. It's something that makes you continue to walk with God. It's the thing that makes you pause and pray in different moments of your life. It's the thing that makes you sit back and give him glory even when things are not right. It's this thing that is inside of you that somebody put it there, and that somebody is God Almighty. It's not something that you can conjure up. It's not something that I can fabricate. It's not something I can make you jump or shout about it's something that God does inside of our hearts it is a substance it is something that is deep inside it's something that God provides it's something that God awakens in us it's a substance of things hoped for the third thing that he says here is he says it is the evidence of things not seen and 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 and, and, and I like this because it's it's the word Alenkus in the Greek, and it means the evidence normally based on argument or discussion. Did you hear that? Normally based on argument or discussion as to the truth or reality of something. It is proof, verification, evidence for. Now, here's what I want you to understand why I like that word. The evidence. There, listen, I don't know about you, but there is a battle within my flesh often between faith and doubt. Are you hearing me? There's a battle that goes on. Me right here, the pastor, right, the preacher. The guy that's standing before you that's going to preach for like the next 13 weeks on faith. Yes, me, right? <laughs> I struggle just like anyone else on this planet between having faith and, and, and having fear, having faith and having doubt. There's an argument, but can I tell you something? I don't have to do all the arguing. There's something inside of me that does the arguing for me. There's an evidence of things not seen. There's something. And, and listen, I, I, I argue with myself sometimes. Hello, I'm just saying. Like, I, sometimes I vocalize the argument that's going on inside of me because the reality is that we all struggle in that place. Listen, anybody who walks around and acts like they don't struggle, they're lying and they lie about other things. Hello. That's just a reality. Every one of us struggles. Every one of us deals with those types of battles. But that's what that evidence is inside of us. God places that evidence inside of us. These two words together combine the substance and the sustenance of our faith. Now hear this. God deposits and energizes our faith. Listen to me now. It is up to us to feed and exercise our faith. Did you hear me? It is God who deposits and energizes our faith. It is up to us to feed and exercise our faith. What did I say earlier? I said a faith that is not growing is a faith that is dying. And so if you are not feeding your faith, if you are not exercising your faith, guess what? It's not God's fault. That's on you. Because God gives us the faith and he energizes our faith, but it's up to us to move forward. And so here, here's, here's the thing. God, it is only in our relationship with God that our faith is empowered. And I want you to take a note. I want you to write this down. We must be changed. We must be changed. 
We must be changed. There's three things that I'm going to challenge you today. And the first one is, the, is to be changed. That you must be changed. And the only way that that happens is in my relationship with God. That's where we're changed. It is in my feeding. It is in my exercising. Let me tell you something. It's not just feeding. Hello. Could you hear me? It's not just feeding. Now, 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 for those of you that are, that are going to, you know, do some resolution, I told you about the 21 questions. Um, the other, the one, I think like the fifth question or something like that, it was a physical question. And, it, uh, and the question was, how much do you weigh? Hello. Personal question, right? I'm not asking you to shout that out. I'm not asking you to tell anyone. You can just think about it. The question was, how much do you weigh? And it said, do you, are, you, are, you, are you comfortable at that weight? And then, you know, what are you going to do in order to get to the weight that you want to be at and all that kind of stuff? Now, here's, here's the thing in the natural world. In the natural world, what any of these dietitian exercise gurus are going to tell you is they will tell you 80% of what you look like is food. 20% is the gym. I know you don't want to hear that. Here, here's the reality. The reality is, this is the reality. The reality is you can't outwork what you eat. Are you here? It's just, it's just a reality. You can, you, you can work and work and work. I mean, you got to, I mean, just, you, know, you know, think about this. I think, I think uh, um, like a Whopper or something like that is probably like 1,500 calories, right? I don't even know. I'm just saying just <laughs> probably something like that. Now I, want you to, now, I want you to go do this, all right, tomorrow morning or sometime. I want you to go get on a treadmill. And I want you to walk for 1,500 calories. Now, why do I say that? You you are never going to work out that hard. This is never going to happen. So, but here's what I want you to know on a spiritual level. On a spiritual level, it's it's, it's, it's more like a 50-50 type of thing. Because on a spiritual level, the way you eat spiritually is super, super important. But can I tell you something? Most of us are overfed. And we're we're overfed with good stuff. I mean, you know, as long as you're not watching like crazy people on TV, hello. Watch out. Watch out on that that television diet that some of y'all got, that spiritual television diet. This is not good. But here's the thing. But some of us are overfed. We're feeding our faith. We're hearing all of, I mean, we get six devotionals a day. Hello, somebody. We're reading scriptures, right? I mean, we're overfed. You know what our problem is? We're not exercising our faith. We're not out there reaching people with the gospel. We're not out there helping someone grow in their faith. We're not living our faith in our lives the way that God calls us to. And so there is a problem. We're not being changed because we're not living our faith. Very important. Second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, when our faith is significant faith, God bears witness of us. When our faith is significant faith, God bears witness of us. This has got to be probably one of my favorite points in this entire sermon. It'll probably be the shortest one, but here's what I want you to get. Look at verse 2. He says, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. For by it, for by what? Faith. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And, and, and the elders obtained a good testimony. What does that mean? Um, to be sure, they had a good testimony before men. But here's what I want you to get. The, gra- the greater truth, which we will study over the coming weeks, is the fact that God testified of the faith of these men and women. This is still true today. Are you hearing me? We call this the hall of faith. Why? Because God inspired the word of God. He inspired this chapter. And he called the writer of Hebrews to go down a list of people whose faith God said, I'll brag on them. Hmm. 
You know, I, I remember listening to Pastor Frank preach one time. It was, it was years ago, and I think it, it might have been here. It was either here or it was when I was a youth pastor, one of the two. But as he was preaching, he said, you know, man, I want to be like Stephen. He said, because when Stephen, if you look, in the, if you look in, the, in, in, in the book of Acts, he said, when Stephen was dying and he looks up, he says, I see the Lord standing at the right hand of the Father. And, what, and, and when he said that, he said something, he said, you know what? He said, you understand the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And because of Stephen's faith at that moment, it was as if Jesus stood up to welcome his son home. Are you getting that? Like, that's the kind of faith that I want to have. So does that mean that I got to go and get stoned? I don't know what that means. I don't know what it's going to cost me, but what I do know is that if I'm going to be a person with living faith, with significant faith, I've got to be willing to do whatever it takes in order to get God's attention to that point that would make him stand up. Hello, somebody. I'm just saying, like to get him up off of his throne, like he doesn't have to get up, but he was up. He, the, the scriptures tell us clearly this. And so when we look at this, this is what Hebrews is all about. Hebrews chapter 11 is about. It's about God bragging on certain people's faith. He said, and by it, he said, he said, he said, for by it or in this, the sphere and exercise of faith. That's what that means when he says, for by it, in this, the sphere and exercise of faith, they obtained a good testimony. I love the thought of God bragging upon those who believe in him. You know, you look at the story of Job, right? Y'all know the story of Job, right? This guy, I mean, he seemed to be a guy that was minding his own business. He was sacrificing. The scripture says he was perfect in his days. I mean, it says some great stuff about this guy. And you know what? When Satan goes and he says, well, I've been going to and fro about the earth, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how God's like, did you consider my servant Job? Like, I can think about, like, if I was Job and I had a preview of this conversation, I'd be like, time out, Lord. I'm just saying, like, I thought we were cool like that, right? Like, I'm sacrificing just in case. I mean, I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to do things. I, I mean, I'm doing everything I can, and, and you're over here, like, calling me out. It's like a good thing but a bad thing. Hello. Just, I mean, think about that. It's jo I mean, Job is not, you know, I mean, it's, nobody. how many of y'all want to live the Job life? Hmm. No, no, nobody wants to live the Job life, right? You want the end of his life, though. Oh, don't you? you, 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 you. I, I hear y'all praying, Lord, give me double portion. Amen. Glory to God. I, want, I receive that right now in Jesus' name. Uh-huh. Double portion. You forgot where that came from in this story here, right? I mean, obviously, the firstborn son gets double portion. I get that. But Job got double for his trouble at the end. Double for his trouble. Hello, somebody. This is the reality. And so, the, and, and, and so we, I, I don't know about you, but I want to be that person whose faith God can testify of. Whose faith, and you, and, and you know how we know, you know, I, I was, um, yesterday, my son, we were, we were watching VeggieTales, one of the, and, and, one of the, and, one, and one of the, amen for VeggieTales, um, and as we're watching the VeggieTales, there's one that's about this guy named George Mueller, and how many, how many of y'all know who George Mueller is, raise your hand if you know who George Mueller is, okay, one, got one person in the room, knows you. okay, two, okay, two, two, anybody else watch VeggieTales, no, okay. So anyway, a lot of times we may think that these are fictitious people, but George Mueller, he was this man of faith way back in the days, and he ran an orphanage, and he was there, and this guy was the type of guy, I mean, his faith was of such. This was his faith. His faith was whatever we need, God is going to supply. Like, okay, how are we eating tomorrow? We're going to pray. 
and God is going to bring, and God brought, I mean, God brought supplies. I mean, if you read the story, George, I haven't read the whole, the whole story, but I, as we were sitting down there, and, you know, my wife, were going through it, I was like, babe, you know that's a true story, and she was like, really? And I said, yeah. I said, the guy's name is George Mueller, so we started talking about it. And when I say that God brags still today, can I tell you something? You know why we know about George Mueller? George Mueller? Because God, through other people, was bragging on this guy's faith. His faith still inspires us. And so we can be those kind of people. Now, I'm not telling you to go quit your job tomorrow. Hello. And just start praying, okay, Lord, provide. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we can be the kind of people that God has called us to be if we will do what? If we will trust God with all of our lives. And so here's the thing. God-inspired faith changes, and it changes us and enables us to be the change wherever we go. I said the first thing was that we needed to be changed. The second thing that I want to challenge you to do is that you will be the change wherever you go. So the first thing is you need to be changed. The second thing is that you will be the change wherever you go. Whenever God is testifying of our faith, hear me when I say this, it can't help but bring change. Are you getting that? When God is the one who is testifying of our faith, you look at all these people, we're going to look at them, and you look at all of their lives, God is, God is testifying of them, and guess what? Their faith is changing people's lives. Their faith is, and look, they may, not, they may not have even known who God was impacting through their lives, but the reality is that God was impacting people's lives through their faith. And so listen, don't think that you walking by faith has no significance. Are you here? We need to be those people who are being changed and who are being the change. The third thing, say this with me, significant faith lives in the natural, assured of the supernatural. Significant faith lives in the natural, assured of the supernatural. And so we live in this world. We live in these days. We live in these times. We live where we are for sure. But we are assured while we are living in a natural realm that we are living with assurance of a supernatural God. That we are living in assurance of the God who in verse 3, look what it says here. It says, by faith, it is by faith, it is by faith that we understand that the worlds, that all of creation, that everything in the system and everything that you see were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so understand this. What the writer here is doing is he is pointing out to us that by faith, when we look at creation, we know where this came from. See, my next challenge to you is going to be this, is that I'm, I decided that my family and I, were going to be going through the whole Bible this year together. We're going to go three chapters a day starting today. I'm going to read my three chapters later on. And this goes perfect with the beginning because what does Genesis talk about? Genesis is going to walk you through all of these people here for the next 13 weeks that we're together going through all of these people. You'll be reading through them. You'll be reading about them in the book of Genesis. So here's what I'm going to say. My challenge is to you as a church, I would love for us to walk through the Bible together in this year, for us to make a commitment together to say, you know what, we're going to walk together. We're going to read three chapters a day. And what I'm going to do, I can only do this. I can put the challenge out there and then I can go ahead and I can remind you daily. And so what I decide to do. My sister Giselle, she said that I should do some kind of daily devotional, and so I'm going to do something similar to that. I'm going to make sure that I put something on Facebook every day on our page, and it's just going to remind you of what, uh, you know, what we're reading. It's going to maybe give you a little something that I read, and I'm going to say a prayer for you, and that's what we're going to do. And so what I want to do is I hope that you'll join that challenge and that you will say, you know what, this year I'm going to walk through the Bible with our church, and we're going to walk through it together, and we're going to encourage one another. We're going to challenge each other in our faith walk, and we're going to grow in our faith and seeking God. God and his word because I believe that that is how we'll grow and we'll be changed and we'll be able to live this out. And so the reality is that 
when we look at these scriptures here, the book of Genesis tells us what God did. It says that he created everything, right? And so what I want you to realize is that faith in the biblical account of creation is foundational to us living out our faith. Hear me when I say this. Without the fear of the Lord, we will not live our faith. Without the fear of the Lord, we will not live our faith. You see, when, when, you, when you believe the account of creation, not when you mentally assent to it. No, no, no. When you believe the account of creation, when you believe that God created all things, your life is different. When you believe that that God that created all things is the same God that you're going to stand before, your life is different. Because you understand that that one that breathed everything into existence, that one that the scripture said, he framed, I love that word frame. He framed the worlds. He framed everything. And what that word frame means, it means that he put everything into order to accomplish its purpose. And I want to say this to you, that you and I have no purpose outside of his purpose. We have no purpose outside of his purpose. We have no, we, listen, you can try to seek purpose outside of God and you are never going to find it because what God did was he equipped you and he created you with certain talents, certain abilities, certain likes, certain passions. He put certain things inside of you in order for you to do one thing and that was accomplish his will and his purpose for your life. That's what he did. And what he did for creation was the same thing. And here's what I want you to know, is that when you believe that God framed the, the, the worlds by his word, I love this, the word, the, the word for word there is the word hema. And, and, what, and what, what that word is, it is the spoken word. It is the, it is the living word. And I want you to know something. God's rema will never contradict his logos. His logos is his written word. But guess what? You can't have logos without rema. Why? Because he spoke it first. Hello, somebody. He spoke all of this, so all of this has power. That's why the Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed because it all has power because this is the rema of God. This is his spoken word. It is his living word coming into our lives. And you know what? In our vision for our church, it is for us to please God by faith, right, through lives of obedience to the written and revealed direction of the word of God. There are two things that I understand. It is that God's word is clear for all of our lives, every one of us in this place. Listen. No matter how old you are, you are responsible to some point of the Word of God. If you are a child, you're responsible to do what? To honor your parents. You're responsible for everything. If you are a husband, you're responsible to your wife. If you are a wife, you're responsible to your husband. If you are a parent, you're responsible to your children. If you are an employee, you're responsible to your employer. You see, everyone in this place has clear directives in the Word of God that we're responsible for. Are you here? Every one of us. We're all going to be held accountable to this. But you know what? There's other things that God will begin to communicate to us on a personal level that never contradict his word. Because if God ever says anything to you that contradicts his word or his character, it wasn't God. It was not God. Understand that. If God ever speaks, if you ever feel like God spoke something to you and it doesn't align with his character or his word, you ate some bad pizza or something. I don't know what you did, but that was not God speaking to you. I had a dream. I don't care what you dreamt. Hello. Just know this. God never, his, his, his lemma never contradicts his logos. Never. But it was by his rema. It was by his spoken word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the spirit of the Lord hovered above the waters. Then God said, let there be and light came. That light is Jesus. See, Jesus is the logos and the rema at the same time. Hello. 
And so he is communicating and he's showing us he formed, he framed the world. And you know what happens when you and I believe that God framed the world? You know, we'll ask him to frame our lives. To frame our lives. And you know how he frames our lives? Through his word. He forms our lives through his word. And so the first thing I said was that we would be changed. The second thing is that we would be the change. And the third thing is that we would bring the change. That we bring it wherever we go. That we don't just wait for someone to see it in us. Hello, somebody. This is the worst. Listen, this is the worst lie to Christianity. There was somebody that quoted this. I don't know what they said, but they said, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Something like that. The stupidest quote ever. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you why. You cannot, <laughs> you, can, you cannot preach the gospel without words. You can live holy without saying a word. You can, you, you can, you can be an example without saying a word. That is for sure. But you cannot preach the, what, what, what does the gospel mean? Is it, is, is it not the word evangelio? Is it not good news? It's not good. It's not a good look. It's not what it is. It is, a, it, it is speaking the word of God. And so, but the church buys into that kind of stuff. We're like, well, I'm just waiting for people to see the change in me. Anyway. That's not working, church. So here's my question for you as I'm closing here. Here's my question. Will you commit to living a life of significant faith? Will you commit in this year to living a life of significant faith? I want you to think about that. And this year, will you say, you know, Lord, I, I am committed to being changed. I'm committed to making sure that I put myself in a position with you and my relationship with you so that way I can be changed by you? Are you committed to being the change wherever you are, that you will be that light that shines brightly, that you will be that person that doesn't laugh at the nasty jokes and definitely doesn't retell them? Hello? That you will definitely be that person that doesn't act the same way as everyone else around you. That you would be that person that doesn't speak the same way as everyone else around you. That you will be the salt. That, that you will be the change in, the, in, 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 in anywhere that you are. And that you will also commit to bringing the change. That you will not wait for someone to come and ask you, you know, hey, you know, why are you so different? Or why, you know, hey, that's going to happen and use those opportunities. But you will be a person that is intentionally praying and seeking God and saying, God, give me the opportunities. Give me the boldness. Give me the ability to go forward and communicate the truth of the word of God. Like, will you be that person that says, God, I want to be a person who's living faith in 2017 as never before. And so listen, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to bow your heads. I'm just going to ask you, if you say, God, I'm committed. I'm committed to living faith in 2017. If you say that, if you say that, I want you to come, come up here and meet me on this altar. And I want us to pray together. If you say that, God, I'm committed to living faith in 2017. Just come forward. I want to pray with you if you say yes to that. If you, if you don't say yes, that's fine. That's up to you. But if you say, yes, God, I want to commit to living faith. 
I want to commit to living outside of the natural. I want to commit to living outside of the norm. I want to commit to living faith. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to your name, God. Glory to your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you see us in this place. And Lord, I've asked my brothers and my sisters to come forward. Not for me, God. For them. That they would recognize that they came forward on this first Sunday of 2017 saying, God, I want to commit to living faith. I want to commit to living I want to commit to being changed. I want to commit to be the change. I want to commit to bring the change. Lord, you see every heart that is here, God. And Lord, I pray for them today as I pray for myself, God, that we would be committed to you. That our hearts, Lord God, would be devoted to you with everything that we have. That we would not hold back that we, would not, that, that we would not be lax in our commitment, that we would not give ourselves, Lord God, a, a little slack here or there, but God, that we would really and truly commit to walking with you, God, in this year like we have never before, that we would really and truly commit to serving you with all that we are, God, that we would really and truly commit our lives to bringing you the glory that you are worthy of. Father, you see the hindrances, Lord God. You see the things that are going to be obstacles in our way, the things that are going to come up, Lord God, to try to hinder us from pressing on and moving forward. Lord, today, I pray that you would strengthen us and we would overcome those. Today, I pray, God, that you would fill us with a heart that is after yours, a heart that is devoted, that is committed, that is yielded to you, God. Father, I pray for each and every person in this place, Lord God. I, I pray for those that are part of this church. I pray for those that are not. Lord God, I pray that we would be the church, God, that we have been called to be. I pray that we would walk with you and that we would serve you, God, with everything that we are. And Lord, that we would make great impact in this year. I pray that we would see souls come to the saving knowledge of who you are through our lives. I pray that we would see lives that are growing in the grace and knowledge of who you are. I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal who you are, God, in deeper ways to us. Father, I pray for revival in our hearts, Lord God, as we have said yes to you today, as we have said yes to you today, God, hear our yes and seal it in our hearts. And be glorified in us. Jesus great name amen 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 I want you to give God a hand of praise